Let's fill up the deal. Um, you know, as time passes and we look around us, um, it seems so obvious the world is getting darker. Um, but the darker it becomes, the brighter a light shines. Just, it's just amazing, you know, with load shedding, how, how we see if you switch on a light while it's dusk and then it becomes dark, that same light just seems to be lighter. <laughs> um, it's the world we live in. It's what we're called to become. So be encouraged, not discouraged when things become darker. It's so that we can shine more brightly. Um, for his glory. Last time I shared the fact that God is <coughs> faithful. Um, and, and, and we shared around God's faithfulness. And it's amazing in, in our journey of discovering God. That, that, that God is perfect. And, and all his ways are perfect. And he is faithful and he is good and he is light and there is no darkness in him at all. The more we discover of God's character and nature, um, even the mystery that remains of him, what is clear is that he is good, that he is faithful, um, and that one can trust him. And so this morning, um, I, I want to share around that concept of what it means to trust God. I mean, I, I trust God completely. It, it didn't start off that way, though. It was a journey. Um, I, I, I grew up in a, in a Christian home. But I, I never really had a, a relationship with God. I, I believed that he existed. But he, he, he was just kind of a concept that I believed in. But I, I didn't know him. I just knew about him. And it was only after my life fell apart and I was at the point of suicide that I, I really met God. And it's not, it wasn't even my seeking Him. It, it, was, it was Him um, stopping me from killing myself. And, and, I, and I, you know, that's quite a vivid memory still in my life. You know, when God said stop, I love you. I've given my son so that you may live. And that was it. That was it. It changed my life. And it's on that day that I gave my life literally to God. It was an exchange. Something happened there 
I was 16 years old. I, I knew very little, really. I mean, I, 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 my childhood memory of my understanding of God up to that point, in the church that I was, I mean, my vivid understanding of God was the Old Testament. I mean, we were introduced with the law every Sunday, and, and all the sermons that I could remember was Old Testament. And, and it, was, it, it was valuable to me. It, it, but, but that's all I could remember. On that day, something changed. I mean, I knew that this is, this is God, but, but, but it gave me so much... Um, I, I was so taken aback by this holy, awesome God, fearful God, um, that, that, that judges sin reach out to me. So I'm grateful that I grew up with the Old Testament. <laughs> I'm grateful that I grew up with the holiness of God and the fear of God and the wrath of God and, and the understanding of that. Because when He saved me, out of that, it, it, it had a immense impact in my life. There was a, there was a surrender to God at that point. There, there was an exchange that took place. You know, I, like I always say, He literally saved my life twice that day, physically and spiritually. I I, I received at that moment. Um, acceptance and love that, that I didn't have, that I didn't feel I had. I mean, I was at the point of suicide because of rejection. And here God saves me, stops me because of love and acceptance. So, so it, was a, it was a radical experience for me. And, and, and therefore the exchange that took place was, was kind of, it was, it was almost obvious. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you my life. I'm going to follow you. I'm, I'm going to go wherever you want me to go. I will do whatever you want me to do. I am yours now. And there, was a, there was a loyalty that settled in my heart towards God. He saved my life. I owe you. I belong to you. And I, I want to be with you because... For some reason, you love me so much. So that's where my, my, my journey really started with God. Um, and, and what an adventure it began. If I have to look back at my life, um, from where I was and where I am today, it, it is just... Looking back is, is always helpful because <laughs> you sometimes um, forget the, the process of getting where you were. It's almost like, I mean, uh, one of the things we as men will never experience this, this privilege of carrying life and giving birth to it and, and going through the suffering that produces something. You know, how often um, mothers forget the pain. And we can talk about the day you were born and all those kind of things. And my mother used to, often tells me about it. 
you know, the day you were born, but she never speaks about the pain. You know, I think Lisa was in labor for something like 23 hours before they finally decided. You look, in England, they want you to give natural birth. So they're really going to try to give birth. And, but, you know, after 23 hours, they saw, okay, it's not going to work. But when Lisa speaks about it, she doesn't kind of goes into the detail of that. Because, I mean, you forget almost when you look back. Um, so I'm not saying it was always easy. Um, but when I look back, what an adventure. I, I would not exchange it for anything else. Uh, there was ups and downs. There was challenges. But God is good. He's faithful. His ways are perfect. You know, in all my years of counseling, th th this, this one concept stands out as a divide, as a, um, as a hindrance for many people. But, but it's, a, it's a paper wall. This concept seems so hard to grasp. But, but yet if you cross that line, it changes everything. It is simply this. You, you no longer belong to yourself. I no longer live for myself. When, when Christians cross that line, um, life changes. Hey, counseling changes. It's a line that seems so high, a wall that seems so high, so wide, so long. It seems almost impossible to cross, but it's just paper. Just, you just need to cross the line. It's like Israel standing at the Jordan. I mean, you've just been through the Red Sea for crying out loud. This is just, this is, but it wasn't the river. It, it, it was the promised land. It was the promise of God that I'm with you. I'm going to give this to you. Don't worry about the giants and the fortified cities and all the battles that you still need to fight. This is the point. I'm telling you, this is yours. I'm with you. Just trust me. And this, this, is, this is it. This, all of us are called to cross the line. It's a journey to get there. For some, it's, it's, it's a quick one. For others, it might take 40 years, but you've you got to cross this line. And the moment you do, the adventure starts. I mean, it, it, it literally changes everything. Galatians 2 verse 20 says, Paul writes, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 
I mean, that's it. If you cross that line, um, life changes. It is no longer I that live. It's a, it's a line that we need to cross on our way to Christian maturity. You know, it's the parable of the sower. Um, you know, some receive the word with joy, but they don't last. Because of the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the love of other things, or the moment persecution arises because of the word, they wither and die. And, and then there's others that receive the word with joy and they grow to maturity. They grow to maturity, but they never bear fruit. And I believe it's, it's because they never cross the line. I mean, they grow up to a certain point. They, they come all the way to the Jordan. And then they just don't, they don't cross it. And then there's some that cross it and, and, the, and they bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. I'm just a tour guide. Or, you know, I'm just a guy that can bring you to the river. I can't make you cross it. But I know what's on the other side. On one occasion, Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it. But he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Yeah, this is the challenge. The challenge is you, you, you need to die to self and live for God. This is one of the central concepts of Christianity. It is substitution. It's an exchange. One life for another. A sacrifice was made to save my life. And in the process, the I got crucified. In that process. Um, the rule of self. The ownership. I died. I died. The I in me died. I have been crucified with Christ. You know, Romans 6 says this, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For the death that he died... He died to sin once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also. When we've been crucified with him, so that we can live with him. He, he, he died once and for all, but the life that he lives, he now lives for God. Likewise, you also. Reckon yourself to be dead and alive to God in Christ Jesus. It, 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 is, it, is the, 
it's the great crossing. What makes this so mind-boggling and blowing is firstly that, that God sacrificed. I mean, we say it so often, we know this, but God sacrificed His only Son to save us. And we are here today because of that sacrifice. We are here because God loved you and me so much that He sacrificed His only Son to die for us. He was willing to die for us. And, and I mean, we will never understand the cost. Until we, I guess, see him face to face. But Christ was willing to humble himself for us and to give his life for us. And the second mind-blowing thing is that he did it for me. A sin offering was made for me. And I wasn't there. You are not there. I mean, God saw you before you were born. He saw me before I was born. And he, and he said, I, I love him. I, I want to save him. I'm willing to pay the price. For my sin. For me. You know, Romans 5 says, For scarcely a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love towards us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How much more then, now having been justified by his blood, shall we be saved from wrath through him? I mean, he died for us. Because of love. So, so God love God loves me. Why will I not surrender everything and 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 follow him? Three things at play is love, humility, and obedience. Love, humility, and obedience. And that's not from us, but from Christ. That's the three things at play here. God loves. Us, he humbles himself, and he was obedient to the Father. Jesus was obedient to the Father, even to the point of death on the cross. Because of love, humility, and obedience, I am saved. And then God calls me to imitate him and to do the same. Love, humility, obedience. That's the call of Christianity. And we have to, from time to time, ask ourselves, who, who, who is this God? Who is this God that loves us so much that is willing to humble himself and die for us while we were still enemies? Who, who is this God? And, and how should we respond to him? And here's the, the verse for today. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14 to 15, it says, For the love of Christ compels us, 
Because we judge thus, if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. This, this, is, this is it for this morning. This is a, a summary of an aspect of, of Christianity. While we call ourselves Christians because we belong to Him, we, we live for Him now. We, we've been called out of the world. We no longer live for ourselves. We're no longer part of this world. We no longer live for ourselves. We are are now living for him. That's what defines us. That's what makes us different. That's what makes us light shines in the midst of the darkness. The world can get as dark as it wants, but we live for him. And, and the darker it becomes, the more clear it becomes in our difference. Because we now f- follow he- what is pleasing in his sight. Because we no longer live for what I want. I know. I know. In marriage, it's not about you anymore. It's not about you. It's about him. And how he wants you to love your spouse. That's what it's about. It's irrelevant. It's irrelevant what your spouse do or do not do as Christians. It's about my love for him and his love for me. And what is, how should I love my wife? That's it. Because it's not about me anymore. It's about him. I belong to him. I live for him. I, I want to do what's pleasing in his sight. When, when I go to work, um, I no longer work for ESCOM. <laughs> I work as unto him. I don't work for my boss. I don't work for my manager. I work as unto the Lord. So, so I'm going to be faithful. I, I'm going to be diligent. I'm going to be productive. I, I'm, I'm going to do all these things not because I get paid well or treated well. It, it's, it's because I now do it for him. It changes everything. It changes everything. And, and even, even if I suffer for doing good and I take it patiently, this is commendable before God. And to this you were called. That's 1 Peter. It changes everything, even, even if I suffer in the process of following him, because I belong to and live for him, it, it is my privilege to suffer for following him. I, 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 I do it with a smile, because not only is it commendable, I'm called to this and it's the example set for me by Jesus. It's just... The Christian way of living. It makes us different to the world. We were saved so that we should no longer live for ourselves, but that we should live for him. That's why Galatians powerfully says, I have been crucified. I have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. So I, I live for him. 
I want you to close your eyes for a moment, and I, and I want you just to think about this, just meditate on this concept, what it means to you. I want you just to think about this. I no longer live for myself. I no longer live for myself. I now live for Christ. What does that mean to you? Just let the Holy Spirit minister to you. What, what does that mean to you? going to give you a moment. It doesn't matter whether you're a plumber or a pastor. A doctor or a nurse. You no longer live for yourself. You now live for Him. What does that mean in your life? How does it look like for you in your daily life? Romans 12, um, I mean, there's so many scriptures, but let's, let's use the ones that we know. So, well, Romans 12 says this, try to help us to understand what, what it means. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, because of his love and his grace, the fact that he died for you to save you. I, I, I plead with you, I beseech you, brothers, by the mercies of God, present yourself, your bodies, as living sacrifices. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable response, your reasonable service. How, how should we respond to this great love, mercy, and grace that you present yourself a living sacrifice? What, 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 what is a sacrifice? How are you going to be a living sacrifice. Verse 2 says it helps us to understand what it means to be a living sacrifice. It's, it, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, and we spoke a lot about this, by the renewing of our mind, that you may prove what is the good, the perfect, the acceptable will of God. So, so, so we need to live. We need to live the will of God. God doesn't want you to sacrifice your life. When he says there's an exchange, one life for another, he, he, he came to me and says, I don't want you to die for me. <laughs> I want you to live for me. Don't die for me. Live for me. 
So I want you to present yourself a living sacrifice, not a dead one, a living one. What is a sacrifice? First concept of a sacrifice, it is, it is something, I've got it up there, it is something that belongs to me. It's mine. It's a sacrifice. A sacrifice, what makes a sacrifice a sacrifice is that it is first and foremost something that belongs to me. Um, I, I remember when I was a kid, you know, when, when I was in church and the offering basket came by, my mother always used to give me the money. It wasn't my pocket money. It was just, you know, you, she gave me money to put in the offering basket. So it was, it was never a sacrifice. It was like I just said, yes, she gives me her money that I put in. It wasn't a sacrifice. It became one when I started tithing. And all of a sudden it changes. It had meaning. It had value. All of a sudden, it was an act of worship because it was mine. It was mine. A sacrifice is something that belongs to you. you know, remember David when, when God called him to make a sacrifice on, on the threshing floor. Yeah? We read of it here in, in Samuel. Um, you know, he went to this guy who owned the ground and he said, God told me to make an offering towards him and 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 when when the owner saw the king he said man have the land I'll, I'll give you the oxen i'll give you the wood i'll give you everything may god bless you as you worship him and david said no i will buy them from you at full price i won't offer to the lord my god a burnt offering that costs me nothing so David bought the threshing floor and the oxen of, for 50 shekels of silver, built an altar to the Lord there, and presented his offerings as, and peace offerings. I mean, the, the first concept of a sacrifice, it belongs to me. My life is mine. It used to be mine. Or at least I thought it was. But, but I'm giving my life. I'm giving it. It's mine. I give to the Lord. It's the first concept of a sacrifice, something that belongs to me that I give away. That's the second point. You, you give it up. You, you, you give it away. You give it away. Um, I think my wife mentioned that she was just reading the Old Testament and, and, and she just realized... When Israel made an offering, um, when they brought their tithes to the temple, when they made those sacrifices, it was burnt up. It was burnt up. It wasn't, I, I'm giving the priests an ox so that he can invest the ox so that that ox with other oxen can make more oxen. So it kind of makes sense to give to the priest 10% of my flock. So, no, they burnt it. Because unto the Lord. 
I mean, it's something that's mine that I'm giving to the Lord. You give it away. You give it away, no strings attached. God says, I want you to be a living sacrifice. I want you to take your life and give it to me, no strings attached. Give it away. Give it away. It's a living sacrifice. I don't want you to die. I want you to live for me. I want you to take what is yours, give it to me. Give it to me. And that's the third point. You, 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 you give it up, but you, but, you, but you give it to someone else. So, so when, I give, when I give away my life as a living sacrifice, I, I'm, I'm giving it away, and I'm giving it to someone else. It's not mine anymore. Some Christians live like that. I give my life to Jesus, but I'm still in control of how I do it. It's not how it works. It's not, that's not how a sacrifice works. We give it away. And yes, the amazing thing, God says, I want you to be a living sacrifice. I'm not, I'm not expecting you to die. I'm expecting you now to live for me. And how do we do that? Verse 2, we, we, we live the will of God in the midst of a crooked world that they may see God's will is good, acceptable, and perfect as we live it. That's, that's what we're called to do. It's why we're called Christians and not Buddhists, because we follow Jesus' way and not Buddha's way. I mean, we can look around in so many different ways. That's, just, that's what makes us different. As we follow His way, we're not following the way of the world. We're not following the way of the flesh. We're just following Jesus' ways. And and, and, and it is so. You know, Jesus' ways are challenging because it's so different to the world and sometimes it doesn't even make sense. That's not the point. It doesn't always make sense. I don't, I don't always understand why God said what he said, but that's what he said. That is his will. That is what is pleasing to him. So, While we still live for ourselves, God's way seems very difficult. But once you cross the line, once you give your life to Him, it, it, it is pleasing. Um, it's liberating to live His ways. If you're still trying to live for yourself, it's very difficult to live his ways. But once you cross the line, once you give yourself away to serve him and his... It's liberating. It's pleasing. Even if I suffer for doing it, it brings joy and peace because I'm living for him. Uh, my wife reminded me we were once um, having dinner with a, with a millionaire in Pounds. In London, um, it, it was our employer, and um, they came to have dinner with us, a very wealthy man and his wife. And, um, you know, obviously, you know, my, my wife wanted to impress him. And, you know, he's a very deep guy, very f loves philosophy and asking questions. And so, and so he asked me, so he asked me this question, if you were to do anything else as a you know, you're a pastor, but if you were to do anything else in life, what would that be? And I thought for a moment and I said, a butler. <laughs> I 
And I still remember my wife's face. It's like, what? You can't tell this guy you want to be a butler. I don't know, something happened in my life. I want to be a servant. So uh, I, 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 I want to serve the king. If I, I, I'd love to serve the queen. <laughs> if I can't serve Jesus, I guess I'll serve the queen. Once you give it away, it's like, because we become servants of, of God. And it's an honor. It's an honor to serve the king. But while we're still living for ourselves, it's very difficult. Once we make the transition... Um, it, it's, it's not just liberating and, and brings joy and purpose. Um, it, it leads us closer to God. This is the amazing thing about stepping over that line. It, it leads us closer to God because now all of a sudden everything, even my work is unto Him. And even when I suffer, it's unto Him. Everything is unto Him. Every be- everything becomes purposeful and, and, and produces great joy and the world thinks you're completely nuts, completely crazy. What's wrong with you? But that, that because it leads us closer to God and, 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 and where God is, there's perfect joy and perfect peace. So, so if I'm close to God and I go through a storm, I have peace because I'm He's in my boat. I mean, it's, it's stressful if he's not in my boat. But if I know he's in my boat, if, and that's the amazing thing. When we start to live for him, it leads us closer to him, and, and being close to him gives us joy and peace, no matter what we face, because it's a, we're with him. Because the aim is to be with him. The ultimate aim is to have eternal life with him. It's just it's part of the journey. In him there is fullness of joy and peace and ultimately eternal life. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 16, Jesus said to his disciple, if anyone wants to desire to come after me, if anyone desires to come after me, he must cross this line. He must deny himself, die to himself, and then follow me. Let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And how true it was. I, I lost my life. And, and I, you know, th- there's a lot of things that I, I guess I gave up. But if I look back at what I gained, it's like, you know, now that was a good investment. <laughs> not, not at the time that I saw this. It, I just gave away my inheritance. I just gave away stuff. To follow and, and I, you know, tell my parents I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not taking that road. I'm, and it didn't make. It, I I got. It, I, I mean, it's just my life. I mean, if I look back, God is good. He's faithful. We are saved by grace because of love, and two Corinthians five says this. 
For the love of Christ compels us. That's what compels us. Because we judged us. If one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again. We are all called to this. In this church community, this is what I pray for. This is, this is, this is what I desire. This is what I trust. This is that we as a community will live no longer for ourselves. We'll be known as a, as a community within a community that live for God. We live for him. It's a city on a hill. Community within a community. Cannot be hidden. We live for him. We no longer live for ourselves. Philippians 2 verse 5, I'll, I'll end with this. Have, have this mind. Have this mind among yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus. Who though he was... In the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, born in the likeness of man, and being found in human form, he humbled himself to becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Therefore, beloved, as you always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do, for His good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. What does this mean for you? It will be the same, and yet it will be different for all of us. It will be same that we conform into the will and the image and the likeness and doing the things that are pleasing in his sight, but it will be different because I'm a pastor and you're a plumber. It doesn't make me better. It's just God called me to do something and God called you to do something different. But being a plumber might be very the same as being a pastor. <laughs> Yet it's different because... You work with unbelievers who have stuff in their pipes. And <laughs> I work with people who have, oh no, I shouldn't say that, that would sound bad. Stuff in their lives. <laughs> we unblock stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's the same, it's different. It's different, it's the same. You, you have the privilege to love and, and work in such a way that people will look at the way you do your plumbing, the quality in which you do it, the, the, the extra time you put in it, because you're doing it for the Lord. You're not, you're not doing it for them. So they're going to see the joy, the passion, the commitment, the extra mile, 
and they're going to stand back and they're going to say, who are you? I mean, somebody once told me it was a plumber. Um, he charged per hour. It was a young guy. I don't know who he was. It was a young guy. He was new in town. He, ch- he worked for somebody that charged per hour. And the person told me what amazed me about this young man. He literally ran from room to room to his car and back to get everything done in an hour so that it doesn't go over to the second hour to charge me more. I'm like, that must be a Christian. He's doing it for the Lord. I mean, that, that's who we should be. Because we're not working for the boss. We're not working for Telcom. We're not working for the Lord. It, it should make us the best employers. Everybody should want to find. And they should ask on your CV. Just check if it's a Christian or not. Because we want him. We can trust him. He's going to be faithful. He's going to be diligent. He's going to work harder than everybody else. I want to just employ Christians. That's That's how we should become in this town. This is who we should become in this town. A light in the minds of a crooked, diverse, perverse world. Um, it's like Patrick's son who when he worked I think it was for pick and pay or checkers packing stuff when everybody took their lunch he only took like 10 minutes and then he kept on working again Peter that's what he did he he didn't take his lunch he just He ate his food and then he went on working. And the rest of the employers were like angry with him. Because, I mean, you you can't do that. You must take an hour or whatever, half an hour. No, he just ate his food and then he went on working. I mean, what a testimony. Who doesn't employ somebody like that? See, that's how how we should become lights in this world. When, When we realize it's not about me anymore. I'm not... That's why whether you're a plumber or a pastor, it makes no difference. You live the perfect will, the acceptable will of God in this world, and you become like light shining in the darkness. That's what we've been called to do. And this all starts with this, this line, this river that we cross. And then, and then the journey starts of discovering what it is that pleases you. And, and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a journey through, through, through studying the Word, through prayer and the Holy Spirit that leads us to this place where this becomes who we are. We are together in this great d- adventure of following Jesus. But it is this line we all have to cross. It is like the Jordan River. On the other side is the promised land, but with it there is giants, fortified cities, and battles waiting. But God is saying, I am with you. I'm with you every step of the way. I've called you for this. And I will empower you to become light in the midst of darkness.
Will you trust me? Because that was it for the Israel. Will you trust me? It makes no sense to cross this line. But will you trust me? Will you trust me? Will you surrender your life? Will you cross that line? Will you live for him? Let's close our eyes. Father, we thank you that we know that you love us. Um, you revealed your love to us. You've given your son to prove to us. And you've poured out your spirit as a guarantee. Help us, Lord, to surrender to you. To seek you. To find out what is pleasing to you. And to live in you. So this morning, I, I want you just to take a moment and just, in your own words, just consider what was shared and, and speak to the Lord. See yourself at the Jordan. battle might be different to mine but God is asking you and me the same question will you stop living for yourself and live for me if you cross this line there's a promised land waiting for you lots of giants, fortified cities and battles waiting for you. But I'm going to be with you. And it's yours. It's what I called you for. To live for me. As a plumber, a teacher, a mother, or whatever. Just live for me. First step, surrender. give him your life.
Second step, when you leave this place, seek Him. Seek Him. This is the amazing thing about God. He says, you know, faith is not just believing that I exist, but that I'm a rewarder of those who earnestly seek Him. Just seek Him. Whatever your capacity no formula for this. Just seek Him. Just when you open His, when you open the Bible, just open it to seek Him, to find Him, to understand what is pleasing to Him. Pray, ask, seek, knock, listen, listen, listen to His Word, listen to His Spirit, and follow Him. Live it. Live, live what you discover. Live, live what you hear. And let us do it in a way that brings Him glory. Father, I pray, Lord, that as we leave this place, we will not be the same as we came in here. We'll either be radically different by crossing a line or, or we'll be encouraged again to continue to take the next city for you. And to learn more from you and, and to be changed more and to surrender more and to be open to become more. Help us not to lose focus of your will for us to become more like you. Um, I trust that, that you will be encouraged to run for him. In Jesus' name. Father, help us to live for you. Amen. Thank you for coming. If you make this decision to cross that line for the first time, I, I would love with others to pray with you. We're going to be here. Uh, if you're crossing this line the first time, I'm going to pray with you. If you've crossed it already and, and you need some prayer, you need just to be encouraged again, maybe just get up again from where you're at. Um, we'd love to pray with you. We're going to be here, but um, we're going to dismiss the meeting. There's some coffee at the back and outside. Please fellowship. Um, love your brothers and sisters. And I trust we see you again next week. May God bless you.